0: Welcome to NFL live pack show for you today starting in Buffalo with the Bills falling short of a Super Bowl again. We have the latest on additions they need to make and how it's possible with Josh Allen's contract situation. We'll tell you all about it. Plus, a mock draft from Mel Kuyper that you don't want to miss. He's got Caleb Williams going to the Bears at number one overall. We'll tell you what Chicago should do there as it relates to Justin Fields as well. Plus, Philadelphia continues to make coaching changes. We'll tell you about the latest firing by the Eagles and some more coaching news too. Dan Roloff. Just sprinted to the set from over there. It took you like, I don't know, 30 seconds to get just maybe 10 feet. Got to work on your speed. Dan's here. <laughs> Nina's here the there. Uh, okay. And Marcus is there as well. Dan Graziano is joining us with some news. Let's get right to the latest as coaching vacancies continue to be filled. But we're going to go to Tennessee, where the Titans have hired Brian Callahan to be their head coach. He's the former Bengals OC, has worked with Joe Burrow, of course, Matthew Stafford, and Peyton Manning, just to name a few. So let's bring in Dan Graziano, our ESPN NFL insider. Dan, what do we know about why the Titans decided to go with Callahan?
1: Well, Laura, I think there's a lot to like about Brian Callahan, and the Titans weren't the only team that felt that way. You know, he doesn't call plays in Cincinnati, but he does have a lot of responsibility there in terms of game plan installation and other administrative uh, aspects of the offense, and uh, Callahan had a significant role in his development as a backup to the point where he was able to play competent football as a starter, and I think teams like that. He was going to be a popular candidate. After interviewing in person in Nashville yesterday, he was supposed to get on a plane and fly to Carolina and interview with David Tepper today and then fly to Atlanta and interview with Arthur Blank tomorrow. The Titans decided they didn't want that to happen, so they moved quickly uh, to get to an agreement with him last night after his interview there.
0: Yeah, sometimes when somebody's in demand, you better just lock them up and keep on moving. Uh, All right, so a big reason that Callahan got this job was because of how he coached up Jake Browning. Of course, you heard Graz mentioning that after he took over for an injured Joe Burrow. Overall, Browning put up better numbers than Burrow this season. Now, Burrow was dealing with the calf injury, but the Bengals scored more points per game when Browning started, plus, he had a better completion percentage, yards per attempt, and a total QBR than Burrow. And Dan, you actually spent some time with him, Callahan, when you were both in Detroit. Why do you think he'd be a good fit with a second year quarterback and Will Levis? Yeah, a
2: lot to like. Number one, I would be interested is his dad coming with him. His dad <laughs> is one of the great offensive line coaches in the history of the NFL. But to your point, I was with him in Detroit. I love the fact that he's been around a bunch of different offenses so often offensive coordinators they come in that they only know that one system. I was with him in Detroit. They, we did a little bit of like the no huddle Indy stuff. He obviously knows the Shanahan tree because again his father has such a rich rich history in it and his father is a part of it in Cleveland Then also. What he did this year with Joe Burrow and then Jake Browning, that's the spread, a little bit of RPO-centric with Zach Taylor. So I love the fact that he's been around a bunch of different places that were, you know, you needed different styles of offenses to play well with certain quarterbacks. Uh, and I think the greatest quality he has is he's a great listener. He is yeah. tremendous when it comes to listening to guys of this is what I like, this is what I see well, this is what I understand well. And then those adjustments of, hey, this is what they're doing. Maybe we can get to something like that when it comes to the in-game stuff. So there's a lot to like about the hire.
3: Yeah, I mean, the two biggest jobs for the Tennessee Titans this offseason improve the offensive line, but also ultimately you know, not expecting them to go from being one of the worst in the NFL uh, to one of the best. You need to call an offense that's optimized around having potentially some struggles there, which uh, Taylor – or pardon me, uh, Callahan – a little Freudian slip there has experience doing in Cincinnati uh, and then you got to obviously develop the quarterback and call an offense around him and to Dan's point about what we saw with Jake Browning I was really impressed by a couple things Jake Browning is a prospect personally I did not think would be able to play at the level we saw in the NFL uh, so I think Callahan no, no doubt deserves a ton of credit for that and then the way they changed that offense when Joe Burrow went out With Joe Burrow, this is an offense that puts a ton on the shoulders of the quarterback. Essentially, they put him in the gun, spread things out, and ask him to let it cook. If they had taken that approach with Jake Browning, there's no way this offense would have been as efficient. But uh, they made a bunch of changes when the quarterback change happened. More RPOs, more under-center boots. That ball was coming out very quick, uh, and I was very impressed by what I saw.
4: Right, it's a direct tie-in to what you and Dan just said, MK. Now it gets to the point of personnel because the one thing yeah. we can all acknowledge about the Cincinnati Bengals is they had phenomenal yeah. guys at very important spots. When you think about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon in the backfield, uh, I love Spears, the young running back in, in Tennessee, not because he has my last name, because he played well, but what are you going <laughs> to do with Derrick Henry, that type of bruise? And Do you need a back like that? in the system that Callahan will bring. The other part is on the outside. You know, obviously, we know DeAndre uh, was brought on. We think about this team and if you want to be explosive, they are going to have to go out and try to make some moves or identify some guys in the draft if he wants to be as explosive and to y'all point about what they did with Jake Browning. You have a more athletic guy in Will Levis. So right. to me offensively, you probably have more dimensions that you can add on both sides if you're Brian Callahan, but to me it's about him and Rand Carthon identifying how to get this team immediately better from a personnel standpoint moving forward.
2: Yeah, don't forget Rand Carthon was a part of San Francisco. We know what the support staff is when it comes to helping the quarterback out there. So that will be now the next step is who is he going to bring with his quarterback coach? And then also, how do they support Will Levis when it comes to the talent around?
0: Yeah, a reminder, too, that when Tennessee said they wanted to make a change here, it was because they didn't feel they were on the same page with Vrabel and they wanted to be on the same page with Carthon. So I think it all wraps in together and makes a ton of sense about their future. It's Tuesday, so that means we spend some time figuring out what went wrong for some of the losers from this weekend. And unfortunately, this means they're eliminated. We're going to start in Buffalo, where Sean McDermott is already looking to the
1: future. This is not a situation where you you strip it down to the studs, you start all over. I mean, we've done a lot of good things and, and the players have done a lot of good things. Um, I think you really start with understanding the success that we've had and how we've gotten it. And then you make tweaks along the way um, to try and get ourselves uh, to become world champions.
5: I don't get into that windows closed mindset. Um, You're always your team is always changing and evolving, so you're you're constantly changing the roster. Um, But this is a quarterback league, and I believe in the guy we got in center under center.
0: Let's give a little uh, tip of the cap to Paul Himikidis on Twitter for this one, our guy Himbo. Josh Allen's cap hit is set to more than balloon up to 47 million in 2024, up from 18.6 million in 2023. It's a huge jump. He's had a very low cap hit throughout his career, and he has one conference championship appearance to show for it. A loss to the Chiefs, of course, in the 2020 season. As you think about the Bills, you've got to take this into consideration, right, Mina? So let's start with Allen. Is it possible to rework that deal to make it more team-friendly going forward?
3: Yeah, no question. They're going to do the same thing that every team does with a a (sighs) highly-paid quarterback, which is uh, restructure the contract. Well, it's just as it's baked into it, right? You restructure the contract, you turn some of those salaries into signing bonuses, you push money down the road, clear up cap space. I I think where things get tricky for Buffalo and – this is tricky again for any team once you start paying your quarterback is once you do so you can still win look at Kansas City right uh, but what you have to do is you have to hit on draft picks and when you do spend money you got to hit on those too. Kansas City being an excellent example where they've hit on a bunch of players defensively in the draft you saw Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis uh, make a huge impact this weekend and then the players that they paid uh, Justin Reed Chris Jones and Charles Amenehu all were very impactful in the playoffs. Then you look at Buffalo, and, and while they have drafted starters defensively, they haven't quite been as impactful as the ones I mentioned in Kansas City. And then when you look at the players they did pay, uh, the one that comes out, really jumps out is Von Miller, who's their biggest defensive cap hit this year and next year and was not impactful and, and that's where things get really tricky. tricky pardon me when it comes to the future because thus far when you go you know compare it to what has happening in Kansas City you see that from a cap management standpoint and some of the contracts they've handed out they're not in as good of a position.
2: Hmm.
4: It, it it almost makes me feel MK that they are super top heavy I, you remember you, I, you, me and Dan and RC had the conversation about how Kansas City was getting that production out of their top earners. This year, obviously Von Miller being hurt, but even down the stretch, for as good as Stefan Diggs is and we respect as a wide receiver we saw with a change in offense with Joe Brady his production go down when it came to those explosive plays that we had grown accustomed to and i'm not just talking about the drop in the in the game that we just recently watched the run game became more prevalent josh allen legs became more prevalent so now it's about how do you want to go forward even with Stefan Diggs and what how will his role be defined in an offense because he's one of those top heavy guys that as far as pay. I'm interested to see how they approach this offseason with Stefan Diggs as far as a potential restructure or look for a trade partner potentially.
2: Yeah, two Mm. things. I think the Bills got to hope in the future they become the Ravens. Remember the Ravens were really good for a couple years. They couldn't catch the health break. They caught it this year. Then the AFC title game, the same with the Bills. You know, we got to see what Vaughn is next year. He's coming off the ACL and all that stuff. Marcus for me it's not just the wide receiver room or Steph it's the whole wide receiver room you can make the case that I don't know if they have a, a number one right now a true bona fide number one Steph may still be mm. that but the production says he wasn't at the back end of that season him in comp- comparison to their second year receiver Shakir I mean we're talking the same amount or double the targets yeah but yards per reception first downs acquired receiving touchdowns and then yards and so I don't want to pretend that I'm this wide receiver expert. I think the Bills have to figure out, one, is Stephon Diggs still production-wise a number one wide receiver? If they view him that way, then they're going to be okay. Number two, got to draft someone. And then number three, what are they going to do with Gabe Davis? Because Gabe is going to be a free agent. And make no bones about it. Gabe Davis not being there Sunday night mattered. Yeah. So it's not just Steph. It's the whole wide receiver room.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the digs question is really interesting because to Dan's point, production really fell off uh, in the second half of the season. But the target share didn't drop off and his air yards per target didn't decline that dramatically. So I was kind of like, what's going on here? So when you dig into the numbers before and after Joe Brady, a few things jump out to me. Look how many more targets he got behind the line of scrimmage. And then he also got more vertical targets. So essentially they were feeding him screens and go balls. They were ISOing him more for those tells. And then his in-breaking routes dropped off as well pretty significantly. Um, to me, I think the question that you have to ask in Buffalo, and this is something I'm sure they understand in the building, is was that because of the offense or was that because of the perception of Stephon Diggs's abilities to separate over the middle of the field, to make contested catches, to get yards after the catch? Because if it's the latter, if that's why his usage changed, then you have some serious questions at wide mm. receiver because you need a wide receiver one who can do all the things he did before.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and whether it was because of the offense or not, that's their offense moving forward. Joe Brady is going to run something like he did if he's still their coordinator. For me, it's like we had this massive conversation this whole offseason about the Kansas City Chiefs. Rasheed Rice has absolutely answered those questions. Rasheed Rice is kind of what the Buffalo yeah. Bills have to go find is, is that kind of do-it-all wide receiver. Again, that still might be Steph. But they need to answer why it wasn't at the back half of this season.
0: Yeah, it may be in the draft, to your point, too. Um, and we've seen other teams have a lot of success there. Either way, you got to remember the layers, too, of the back and forth between Diggs and Allen throughout this season. Much more to come on NFL Live. Changes galore in the city of brotherly love. Is Brian Johnson out as the Eagles' OC? Hear why Dan thinks it needed to happen and where the Eagles need to go from here. We'll give you those answers. Plus, Mel Kuyper's first mock draft is out. He has some notable quarterbacks going early in the first round. Dan's going to tell you he's not sold on an unquestioned QB1 in this draft. NFL Live is brought to you by Freeform. Chrissy and Dan, dine out. Dave, sorry, (laughs) premieres tomorrow and streams next day on Hulu.
6: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
4: One disappointment after another. That's all they've delivered. Everybody's locker room is frustrated. Listen, you can look at everybody in the stadium has bad body language. They're frustrated.
2: They're bad. They're bad on offense. It's not that they're not good. They're bad. A team that has looked broken over the last seven games.
4: He's got to go. You can't bring this guy back. Get someone who actually knows how to coach
1: an NFL football team.
0: Okay, the Eagles started 10 and one and were tied with the 49ers for third in scoring through week 12, but Philly averaged just 20 and a half points per game in the final six weeks of the season, which was tied with the Jaguars for 29th. The defense struggled all season. They ranked 30th in scoring defense coordinator Sean Desai was demoted after week 13 in favor of Matt Patricia, but things actually got worse. So Philadelphia opted to fire Desai on Sunday night and fired offensive coordinator Brian Johnson earlier today. Let's get Dan Graziano back in here, our NFL Insider. Dan, both coordinators now out in Philly. What's next for head coach Nick Sirianni?
1: Well, a search, but it's a search that's already sort of begun. I think Nick Sirianni and the GM Howie Roseman wanted to go into the postseason meeting with team owner Jeffrey Lurie with a list of candidates. Here are the kinds of guys we think we can get that we'd like to bring in, and here's why we think they would work. So they'll work through those lists. Look, the, I mean, a lot of teams are out there looking for coordinators. They'll have competition if they want to bring in one of the bigger name guys, you know, like a, a Wink Martindale that was let go in New York. Um, and on offense, it's probably going to, have to be somebody that's going to be okay with, you know, running and installing Nick Sirianni's offense. Even if they're going to be the play caller, you would probably think it it's somebody who has a prior connection to him who's worked with him and had success with him. So uh, they'll get going in earnest on this and start bringing in guys in the coming days. But It's a process that's already underway.
0: Yeah, you know, we all wondered what would happen with Sirianni, thanks to Graz for the latest there. And, Marcus, we've seen that he's been able to hold his spot, but change seemed inevitable. So why do you think this week we're finally seeing a lot of this happen? Oh, my goodness.
4: What? Yeah, I think culturally when you watch this team, obviously it was so different than our idea of the Philadelphia Eagles that went to the Super Bowl. It seemed like a tight-knit group. It seemed like like a very confident group. And this absolutely could play into why this team looked so dejected and uninterested as the season went along. They lost Shane Steichen and Ann Gannon. Both of those guys took head coaching jobs. It could have been a, a, a disbelief in what their offensive and defensive coordinators were telling them. And I'm telling you, as the season goes along, when you realize that your plans are not working out and you don't feel good about how you're going in the games, it starts to rumble throughout the locker room and guys start talking about if they in the best position possible, you start seeing sideline interactions that are not favorable. So it could have stemmed from the offensive coordinators and not believing in the plan. But something happened with this football team psychologically down the stretch and they need to get it figured out and it's tasked to Nick Sirianni to get it fixed fast. Yeah, no
0: Mm -hmm. doubt the body language that we could see publicly on the sideline was one thing. You wonder behind the scenes what it was even like. As we spin ahead to the off-season though, Mina, where should the focus be?
3: Everything they do this off-season, coordinator hire most notably, has to be centered around Jalen Hurts. How do you get him to see the blitz well, to handle that well, throw over the middle of the field? And then I think they need to have a really honest conversation. They need to self-scout uh, whether or not, as a runner, he can return to the form we saw in 2022. I mean, across the board, the, the numbers of him on design carries are down, especially if you take out quarterback sneaks, going from 035 EPA per play to .07, used to be like a devastating play when Jalen Hurts carried the football, Mm -hmm. now it wasn't at all, There this season it wasn't, and that affected everything that they did. Um, So much of what made this offense successful in 2022 was predicated on them having a numbers advantage or an equalizer because he was a threat to carry the football, even when he didn't, the kind of coverages they face. We talked about this early in the season when Uh, we first noticed that they were seeing more split safety and less single high was because defenses didn't fear Hurts as much as a runner. I don't know why he is running, he ran less effectively this year. I don't know if it was because of injury or it was because of him simply not wanting to run. I don't know, but they need to answer that question Because it should and will, I think, impact what kind of offense they call in 2024.
2: I feel like ever since the season got done, every time I talk about the Eagles, it feels like I'm talking about the Cowboys. And I'm not Mm. saying that as a joke or to be hyperbolic. Comfort. That's why I made that sound when when they said, well, when Graz's report of, well, someone that's comfortable running Sirianni's system – if, we're, if, if you're running an offensive system in the NFL and it doesn't have multiple personnel groups, multiple formations, the ability to change motion and play action, you're behind. It's not 2016 anymore. It's 2024. And Sirianni's system, at least from what we saw this year, doesn't major in that stuff. That hurts this football team. Before we could ever talk about, like, what's going to have to change, what's not going to change, is Jason Kelsey definitely gone. Why didn't this offensive line perform nearly as well this year as it did last year? Mina's right. He didn't run nearly as effective. They didn't change the line of scrimmage nearly as much. But it was also because they stood there. And so I think that sitting here and thinking, I'm just going to hire somebody to call plays from the system that I want, You are behind, man, and teams are going to catch up when it comes to this league.
0: Wow, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you wonder even just a scheme change, you think, Dan, would immediately affect Jalen Hurts? He could run better. Positively, yeah. absolutely.
2: Okay. You can morph all of it together. Get a coach that brings all of it to the table.
0: All right, is doing his end-of-season press conference tomorrow. That'll come your way on NFL Live and other shows on ESPN. Up next here, D'Amico Ryans and the Texans obliterated expectations this season before falling to the Ravens in the playoffs. Hear what Mina thinks the Texans need to do to keep that momentum going this offseason. More NFL Live after the break.
6: s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you again try jet's signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e jet's pizza better because it has to be
5: you get the right guy you can do a heck of a job it's a keeper Williams running for his life, fires to the end zone, ball, oh, touchdown! Drake May is a player to watch in college football, ladies and gentlemen.
4: Daniels looking downfield, he wants a shot, touchdown!
0: Anyone who knows me knows my favorite time of year right now, okay? It's Mel's top five picks in his first mock draft of the year. We've got a whole lot more of these coming. He's got Caleb Williams going to the Bears. Commanders taking Jaden Daniels at number two, and the Patriots get Drake May at number three. The Cardinals getting Marvin Harrison Jr at four, and Brock Bowers goes to the Chargers at five. I can't wait to see how this all shakes out. But if the Bears do go quarterback at the top of the draft, their newest addition will be working alongside newly hired offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Waldron, of course, comes over to Chicago after three seasons in Seattle where he helped revamped the offense after Russell Wilson was traded to Denver so the perfect duo to break down all things Bears and the top of the draft is Mel Kiper Jr. and Dan Orlowski are back with us Mel we can't wait to get into all of this and let's start with the Caleb Williams at number one overall to the Bears what do you think in there
5: Tough call, Larry, really, as I went back and forth on this. Obviously, keeping that pick and taking Caleb, we're trading the pick and keeping Justin Fields. And I went back and forth. I'm thinking Caleb Williams, if it's a push situation, if you're even, if you can't make up your mind, you reset the clock. And I think with Caleb, he didn't have that great finish to the year. The Notre Dame game started him to look not phenomenal. He threw those three picks against the Fighting Irish that Saturday night. But really, throughout his career, it's been Saturday at the Improv. And in 2022, he looked Patrick Mahomes-like. This year, he got off to that phenomenal start. Then the Notre Dame game started that, like say, spiral. and wasn't bad. It's just he wasn't phenomenal. When you put it in perspective, he still wasn't throwing interceptions. And he was still completing a pretty high percentage of his passes in most games, except for a couple. And overall, his numbers, I think 93 touchdowns, 10 picks over the last two years, that's rushing and passing combined, is pretty doggone good. I think the Bears, ultimately, after it's all said and done, obviously take him, trade Justin Fields, get that two back you lost in the Montez sweat trade. Uh, if, you, if you keep the pick and you, and you say, okay, we're going to take him fine. If you trade the pick, you can get a bonanza in return and move forward <laughs> with Justin. The okay. players want Justin Fields. We'll see if the head coach and the GM, Ryan Poles, want to go forward with Justin Fields. I'm thinking right now, just uh, To me, Caleb's the guy, and then you move on and you make the pit trade and you see what you can get in return.
2: Yeah, Mel, ever since the season's ended, I've kind of started to lean that way, that Chicago is going to trade him and go get Caleb Williams. Shane Waldron getting hired as their offensive coordinator. I was with him with the Rams. He got to watch the development of a young Jared Goff. He was there to watch how Matt LaFleur, when he was there with Jared, developed him and helped him, and Zach Taylor developed him when it comes to that young quarterback. So I do like the fact that he's watched that. All the things I just said about Philadelphia's offense and kind of modern NFL football, he loves the tight ends. He loves formations and, and a lot of those different formational and personnel packages. I think the number one challenge is going to be getting him to develop within the rhythm and timing of, it is all, of an offense. It is going to be necessary for every quarterback to live in that world. Playmaking, not a problem. Getting him to that, That is going to be the biggest development of his young career.
0: Yeah, we sit here January 23rd saying this might be the decision we predict. I think this is going to change so many times in the lead-up to the draft. It's going to continue to be fascinating to talk about. Let's go to the decision at number two. Mel, in your mock, uh, of course, the commander's in need of a quarterback. Likely the choice is between LSU's Jaden Daniels and North Carolina's Drake May if we do see Caleb Williams off the board. So why, Mel, did you lean toward the Heisman winner there?
5: Rode the wave of momentum, Lauren. I think with Jane Daniels, he's exactly what you need in today's NFL. And right now, you're talking about even the Bears with new coaches. They have to evaluate. They have to try to figure this out. They haven't figured it out yet. So we're basically guessing and trying to go with what you hear may end up and having foresight and trying to project, right? Because they don't know. They're still going to have a lot of work to do between now and late April to make that decision. Do we go with Fields? Or do we audibalize and take Caleb Williams and go forward with him? In Jane Daniels' case, the dual threat ability, the Randall Cunningham-Lamar Jackson-type skill set is what fe- really is the fear factor quarterback that mm. coordinators, defensive coordinators, hate to have to deal with. So for me, Drake did not pressure number one Caleb Williams because he had a year that wasn't like 2022. He lost his top receiver, Josh Downs, lost his coordinator, and had some games, the Virginia game, the NC State game, the Clemson game, where if you saw those games, you're scratching your head saying, how can you miss those throws, Drake? But he did. Now, if you want to make excuses for him, you can. For the reasons I gave. So for that, when you put it all together, Jaden Daniels was phenomenal in two years. Doesn't throw picks, yet is aggressive with his arm, aggressive with his legs, and has that balance of not turning it over, yet taking shots down the field.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating, the conversation around these two guys. I really do. And obviously, it's mid-January. I haven't dove into studying these guys, Mel. But I think the thing that I like and was surprised about with Jaden Daniels is his pure stroke. I love comps. Throw-wise, he reminds me a lot of CJ. When it comes to just the pure throwing motion, he's got this kind of slot out and up, slot fade. His body is aligned. I love that fundamental of it. This reminds me a lot of CJ. Now watch the throwing motion. CJ's is so compact and tight. So is Jaden Daniels. Left arm attached to that chest that's phenomenal when it comes to just the pure stroke of the ball. Last year, we loved C.J. Straw's ball placement. It doesn't get better than that when it comes to that slot fade. I mean, you cannot throw the football better. That was a little surprising as I started to dive into Jaden's tape. He's going to wow athletically. I also think once you watch him more and more, he's going to wow you throwing the ball when it comes to ball placement. Drake May, he's going to remind a lot of people, certainly me, of Big Ben. Mm. Patient playmaking, just staring to the bottom of the screen, nothing there. Okay, coming to the top of the screen, nothing there. He's only getting two-man rushed. So it's patient in the pocket, comes back to that number one, not there. All right, dude, go be a big playmaker. You're six foot four, 230 pounds. Escape from that defensive lineman. Eyes downfield and two hands on the ball. Eyes downfield, two hands on the ball are huge when you're a dynamic playmaker. Reset, no one's open. Now everyone has tracked you. Can you go do something above the X's and O's? Keeps his eyes downfield. Now watch this throw up over, essentially some of those trailing underneath hidden defenders, perfectly in stride. That's real. You know, and I think that when it comes to Jaden, we're going to have plenty of time to find the flaws or warts of these guys and pick them apart. He's going to surprise people just with his pure throwing talent. Hmm. And I think Drake, people are going to be shocked by how well he moves for such a big guy and say, well, Josh Allen's and and those type of physical talents.
0: Uh, That was a whole lot of fun. Thanks, Mel, for being with us. We're going to see a whole lot more of you. By the way, this would be the fourth time ever that three quarterbacks went in the top three picks. It happened in 2021 with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. More Mel coming your way right after this next break. We're going to continue to look at what went wrong from some of the divisional round games, and we turn our attention to C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. Okay, Mina, as the Texans try to improve the roster around C.J. Stroud, where should their focus be going forward?
3: Oh, I'm so glad I get to answer this question with Marcus Spears on TV with me. <laughs> they got to fix the run game. Uh, when you look at the uh, Shanahan tree offenses that made it to the playoffs, uh, Detroit, San Francisco still in it. Packers, or probably, uh, yes, the Packers, the Dolphins, uh, the Rams who made it. All of them, except for the Packers, finished top 10 in rushing DVOA. The Packers would have been higher if Aaron Jones had been healthy. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans were 30th, which, by the way, testament to C.J. Stroud that he was able to overcome that run game. Uh, so, as far as how they go about fixing it, y- you got to address the blocking. Uh, some of that is the offensive line, but I'll say uh, it also pertains to the skill players because those offenses that skill they've men- that I mentioned earlier, and this is a real theme, I think, of the playoffs, they got skill players who can block. Mm. So if I'm Houston, that's a huge priority for me, regardless of whether or not Bobby Sloak is still the offensive coordinator next year.
4: Yeah, MK, I agree with you on that run game, but I'm going to go to the other side of the ball and talk about depth on the defensive line this team had to like we saw D'Amico bringing a lot of pressure and obviously it's difficult to play against lamar jackson period i thought sheldon rakens and collins did a phenomenal job on the interior Grenard was good obviously will henderson is in uh talks of being the rookie of the year on defense but i think now you get to a point where you look around this team, and you say, we got a lot of really good pieces. I think we identified our number one corner, um, obviously, on the outside. We identified Christian Harris at the linebacker spot. Derek Stingley Jr., who i mentioned, mentioning as oh, the corner yeah. up front. Will Anderson is going to be your foundation. Now it's about depth and starting to build so you can come in waves when you talk about defensively and dealing with the AFC and all of these quarterbacks that we know you have to go through to get to a Super Bowl.
0: Uh, Mina, you mentioned offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who's getting these interviews. He's supposed to interview with the commanders as well as the Falcons. So they very well will be without him as they move forward. Great answers, though, for mm. what they need to do to get better. Uh, the Titans have already made their hire at head coach. They hired Brian Callahan, the former offensive coordinator of the Bengals. Of course, spent a lot of time with Joe Burrow and many other very successful quarterbacks. We'll see what he brings to the table with Will Levis, the second-year quarterback in Tennessee. Time to do some coaching questions quick with Dan Graziano. Let's start with Philly. What's going on there this week?
1: Well, they let go of another coordinator uh, today. Offensive coordinator Brian Johnson will not return. Again, not a surprise. They already let go of defensive coordinator Sean Desai. And We talked earlier about uh, Nick Sirianni trying to present a plan to ownership uh, for who would run the offense, who would run the defense, and how they're going to fix all the problems that happen over the second half of the year. So the Eagles on the hunt for a pair of Coordinators. A couple teams still on hunt for a head coach, including the Los Angeles Chargers, who have had conversations, serious conversations, multiple interviews with Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh. There are a lot of people around the league that think that the Chargers and Harbaugh are destined to end up together at the end of this process. They're not there yet on a deal, but this is something with the Chargers it could move along quickly. If it's not Harbaugh, they will probably pivot to other options by the end of this week. And Bill Belichick, the former Patriots coach, still sounds weird to say former Patriots Mm. coach, uh, has had extensive conversations with the Atlanta Falcons, but they're not uh, at a deal yet. And the Falcons are going through a very extensive process, interviewing multiple people this week. Mike Vrabel in the mix, Bobby Slowick, the Texans offensive coordinator in the mix, and many, many others Uh, in case a deal does not come together with Belichick. They're still working out a lot of details about how the power structure would work if he went there. And there are some issues uh, still to be worked out. And then right before uh, the show came on today, Adam Schefter reporting news that Tom Telesco, the former Chargers GM, uh, is in talks with the Raiders to become their new GM. Ironic oh. because Telesco was fired the day after the Raiders dropped 63 points on the Chargers in that Thursday night game, but yes. well-respected, uh, built a very good roster there uh, for the Chargers that was competitive for a long time, and it seems like they want to pair the experienced GM With the first time head coach, Antonio Pierce.
0: Yeah, that makes some sense in that way, but sometimes it gets so intertwined that you wonder what's actually going on. All right, thanks to Graz for all the latest. Coming up, we're going to bring back Mel Kuyper. More Mel, always a good thing. He's going to give us some more insight into his first mock draft in the offseason. He answers all our analyst questions. Axe Mel is next on NFL Live. The reimagined Pro Bowl games are back in Orlando. The first six events of the skills competition, Thursday, February 1st at 7 Eastern on ESPN. And the final four events come your way Sunday, February 4th at 3 Eastern. It all culminates with a 7-on-7 flag football game. Peyton and Eli back to coach the AFC and NFC teams. All of the stars of the NFL are going to be there. All right, so here's the top five picks once again on Mel Kuyper's mock draft. He's got three quarterbacks in the first three picks. We want to ask him some questions. We're going to bring him back in for Ask Mel. Mel here, which means everybody gets to ask a question and he gets to give an answer. Mina, we start with you. What's your question for Ask Mel?
3: Yeah, Mel, one of the sort of themes of the season we've talked about a lot on this show is how every team after the position has been devalued for a while needs an off-ball linebacker. You certainly see that with your Baltimore Ravens, San Francisco 49ers. Uh, And yet, they're really, really hard to find, especially with guys coming out of college. Is there anyone, as you look across the landscape, that you think might go in the first round who plays that position?
5: Don't think first round, I mean, it was a great question. Trenton Simpson, the Ravens drafted out of Clemson. Last year, they have high hopes for him. He looked good in that Steeler game at the end of the year. And you think about Edgerin Cooper from Texas A&M. You think about it, 6-3 with the length, disrupt throwing lanes, that height for an off-ball linebacker, very important. You can cause interceptions, bat-down passes. To me, Edgerin Cooper, with the ability to get after the quarterback, he had eight sacks, led him in tackles, had 17 tackles for loss. He's really good. And Jeremiah Trotter Jr., you know his father, what a great player he was, Go to the Notre Dame game, guys. Look at the Notre Dame game and a lot of other games, but the Notre Dame game in particular is intercepting pass, returned for a touchdown. He's all over the field. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. could be a good second or third round pick.
4: Mel, I'm going to go ahead and get the Dallas Cowboy question out of the way. I, you got a tackle mock, and it has to be uh, because of Tyron Smith and obviously the age and the wear and tear on his body. Is that the, the most important position for Dallas as we saw a defense that needs a lot of help as well?
5: It does. A wide receiver could help Swagoo, but I think when you look at Jordan Morgan from Arizona, a left tackle who really impressed me the way he came back from an ACL in mid-November the previous year. Nine months, guys, he was back. He rehabbed quickly, got back on the field for Jed Fish. He did a great job with that Arizona Wildcat team winning 10 games. A left tackle who can come in and be a factor. And really, in another year even after that, in his second year he'll be two years removed, which is when you're really back. But Jordan Morgan, to me, played like a first-round pick. I think he's going to get better from what you saw Montana this year as I said coming off that ACL injury from 2022
2: Mel there's teams late teens early 20s like Indy Tampa Bay maybe Arizona Buffalo Kansas City that are going to need a wide receiver is there a guy that's going to be drafted in that time frame that he will be better than where he's going to be drafted slot wise
5: I'll tell you, Dano, I like the two Texas kids. I put Adnai Mitchell, who was at Georgia, came to Texas, 6'4", 198-pounder, had two touchdown receptions early on, had an upset over Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Go to the Kansas, Kansas State-Oklahoma State game. He was uncoverable. He's got that great catch radius, as I said, 6'4", with really good hands. I think he's a good one. I think when you look at his teammate, Xavier Worthy, who in space can really make people miss. He's got punt return skills. So I think both of those Longhorns, Adnai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy in the late first round at worst early second round and we could have maybe six seven wide receivers go in round two and those are two kids that have an awful lot of ability.
0: All right, so you got a little teaser here, but Mel's complete mock draft is on ESPN2 at 5 p.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. He's We're going to get to do this back. Back. every week, uh, <laughs> at least a couple times a week. Mel, you are the best. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. Can't wait for this draft. Always All right,
1: fun, guys. Enjoy Up next,
0: it. Jordan Love couldn't get the job done against San Francisco, but he showed he can handle the keys to the franchise. Here, why Marcus thinks the defense is the biggest question mark in land the postseason NFL countdown crew will get you ready for Championship Sunday with a three-hour show starting at noon Eastern on ESPN. Following all the games, it's a special NFL primetime with Boomer and Booger at 10 Eastern. Wall-to-wall coverage of Championship Sunday all right here on the ESPN family of networks. We're glad you're with us on NFL Live. We continue to dive deeper into some of last weekend's losing teams who are now eliminated, putting our full attention now on the situation in Green Bay. So the average age of the Packers players that played in the wild card win over the Cowboys was 25.68 years old. They are the youngest team since the 1970 merger to win a playoff game according to Elias. Pretty cool. Let's start with Love. Dan, what would you be working on with Love as he enters year 2 as a starter in Green Bay?
2: Yeah, it's a fine line, but you want him to mechanically get better. You know, like this is you when you have these young just super talented talents You don't want to get that rare ability out of their game because he is one of those guys that he does things quarterbacks shouldn't. You know, we've seen this a lot throughout this season. There's that, you know, he's completely standing up and you want him to be more ready to throw the football. And then when he gets away from pressure, he's got this unique ability to throw while falling backwards. And it's mechanically unsound because he's got this baseball arm whip even though that defender's right there because he's a rotational thrower. He doesn't need to generate force from his lower half. So you want to live in a world where like, you continue to allow that and promote it, but not all the time. You know, at some point that's, that catches up to you. And so they, mm. they've got to live in the world <laughs> where you, know, you don't want to get in the way of that, but you want to try to get him one, two, three, four percent mechanically so maybe that... Kind of backbreaking interception or misthrow doesn't happen. Now it's not. I, I think ja, you know, Josh went through this. Patrick went through this. I think that's the focus for Jordan specifically.
0: Yeah. It just a reminder too. He just has not played all that much. So pretty impressive to think what he's already going to be building on. Mina, beyond building around the young QB, is there a place you think the front office should be focusing their yeah. energy on in the coming months?
3: I think they have a really big decision to make when it comes to the defense, particularly who the defensive coordinator is, whether to stick Mm. with uh, Joe Barry. You guys have heard me complain about this defense now for years. I feel like Lucy with the football every season, thinking they're going to improve because of the talent (laughs) on that side of the ball. And then for the vast majority of the season, they are not good. We are like a month removed from this defense uh, getting steamrolled by Tommy DeVito, Bryce Young. And then suddenly a switch flips, and in the playoffs they put together their two best performances of the season against Dallas and then against Brock Purdy. And what strikes me, guys, is I remember having this same trajectory last year where, you know, the, the Packers missed the playoffs because they lost to the Lions. The defense wasn't why they lost. The defense actually played really good at the end of the season. But if you're a fan and if you're, you know, running this franchise, you have to ask, What is taking so long? Why is this defense so bad for the majority of the season? Why is it called so uh, passively for much of the season as well? Um, I don't know if you can look at one or two games at the end of the year and say, well, we should just continue with what we're doing because now you have a track record of more than one year of the defense struggling up until the very end.
4: Yeah, MK, that's why I struggled when we were having a conversation about what should they do personnel-wise. I think the Green Bay Packers got a hell of a defensive players on that side of the football. I'm starting thinking about age and contracts, maybe Preston Smith contract or Devondre Campbell is one of the older guys. What uh opposite Valentine, opposite of Jair Alexander, but those guys see your point over the last two weeks where we saw him play against Dallas and San Francisco play phenomenal up front you think about Rashawn Gary they just drafted Wyatt Kenny Clark is still an animal on the inside so I have no answers He's outside great. of just improving depth mm. so I go straight to you with, you with Joe Berry and the passive way that he plays defense maybe more aggressively because you have the guys in order to do it I think Quay Walker may be one of the better athletic linebackers that's He'll not the used enough when you start talking about pressure and simulated pressure in this league so as much as you want to focus on personnel I think Joe Barry is just not getting the most out of those mm. guys when we start talking about how they are ascend at the end of the season as opposed to the beginning
2: yeah so maybe last year Aaron was still there and we don't know what the like the team philosophy was of how you wanted to play complementary and then you're breaking in a young yep. quarterback this year so it's hey, let's make sure we don't put him in deficits too consistently as you're trying to take away explosive plays. I actually think the mindset, if they keep Joe Barry, guys should be flipped. This is going to be a really dynamic and explosive offense next year. I would say this, if you keep Joe Barry, you have to philosophically go from, we're not going to give up explosive plays, but we're going to take the ball away. We're going to try to create negative plays, give the ball back to our offense, get the lead, and then we hunt. Hmm. I think if that happens, they still have all that talent, that they play more like they did at the end of the season
0: yeah it's interesting because my question would have been do they just not have the personnel to play more no, aggressively but they have it so it does uh lend to back baby dan you know look at the offensive guy making the defense just play for the offense of course time for one more thing before we go check out this fan's reaction to patrick mahomes after sunday's win in buffalo this is cool stuff You get when you're, you're dealing with like a whole bunch of Bills fans around you, you're trying to celebrate your team. Mahomes dodging snowballs, yeah. by the way. Yeah, little dude, that?
2: little dude, you Head cannot watch that. Just so we're clear, never you do not watch that.
0: Yeah, um, by the way, if we uh, should do an NFL you know, live snowball, fight. I, would,
2: I would square all three of you up.
0: Really, that may be true. I think Mina would be sneaky like, good, though. It would look like Will Ferrell, <laughs> on elf. Get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>